0: Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts, PFF's Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Austin Gale with my guy, Mike Renner. We have a loaded pod for you guys today. We're going to talk about Mike Renner's perfect fits in his latest mock draft mm. for PFF.com. We're also going to talk about Darnay Holmes. The UCLA corner is transferring or intends to transfer. That's what the reports are. I want to talk about him a little bit. He was a PFF favorite going into this season. We're also going to do our weekly segment, What's on Tap, where we talk about prospect matchups to watch this weekend. Then we're going to dive into some draft specials. That's going to be our rookie matchups to watch of the weekend. Then we're going to chug a prospect. Yes. We are chugging University of Virginia cornerback Bryce Hall.
1: Broke his ankle. Out Broke for the his season. ankle. He's yeah, out gonna for the be season, back.
0: but let's talk this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go ahead and do that at the end of the podcast. Let's go ahead and kick things off here, though. It's going to be Perfect fits in Mike Renner's latest mock draft for PFF.com. I'm excited to dive into this one. I edited it myself. Yes. Writing wasn't great to start. I had to clean some things up, but, I mean, it's okay I, now. It was more about the content. Exactly. I affect folks more on the picks. Yes, you know? the, the content was fantastic. Grammar, we can talk about that on a different podcast. Start with number one, the number one overall pick, which I think is a perfect fit for the Cincinnati Bengals, who will hopefully be the Andy Dalton-less Cincinnati yes. Bengals. They go for Joe Burrow. Joe a- above average Joe Burrow at number one overall.
1: That juggler Joe or above average Joe, whatever you want to call him, I-, I think the way he is trending by season's end, he just looks like he's going to be the number one overall pick. The way he's playing football right now, there's no stopping him. He goes up against the floor secondary, we already talked about it on the first pod this week, and just looks like he's treating him like a Northwestern State secondary that he's going up against, just finding guys left and right, darts. I would love to see him in that you know Zach Taylor system. Uh, brought up you know the Sean McVay system actually what Zach Taylor brought to Cincinnati and they I mean they have weapons in Cincinnati for him it can be executed I think with his quick release it would play very well uh there in Cincinnati so I, I don't think Cincinnati ends up with another one overall pick I think the you know the the Dolphins when it's all said and done still hold will still be holding on to that title but I do love the fit of Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals if you know come draft day they're up there at the top of the draft looking at him, uh, his draft card. I'd hand that one in.
0: We've been talking tank for Tua, or a lot of the media has been talking mm-hmm. tank for Tua for a long time. Hear me out on this bomb for Burrow.
1: Mm, Bomb for Burrow sounds way better.
0: Bomb for Burrow, and I think with Joe Burrow, we've talked about it at length on the Tuesday podcast and on previous podcasts, he is very good on these NFL throws, throwing down the field into tight windows. He looks worlds better than he did in 2018. I want to talk to you about, what do you honestly think the chances are that this rocket ship, above average Joe, flies all the way up to number one overall, takes over Tua, and Bomb for Burrow becomes legit, and he is the number one overall pick.
1: I think there's a pretty good shot, because in the mock, I have Tua slipping all the way to ten because I just don't think the NFL is as high on Tua as uh, you know maybe the general public is. Just maybe like the stats will show the he's been very good. We're not debating that. Still, you know, the top player on our board as of now, uh, you know, subject to change. But he doesn't have NFL type arm. He has not been forced to make a lot of tight window throws down the field. A lot of special throws. Only has you know was seven big time throws all season long compared to. I think 16 for Burrow now, is just not having to do as much for his yardage, which I can't hate, hate on. There's like on one hand, it's like, yeah, take the easy route if you're the quarterback. If you can hit your check down, it goes for first down, hit the check down, go for the first down. Uh, but for an NFL you know, evaluator, that's not always realistic. It's going to be a lot more difficult for him as soon as he steps on the NFL field. So from that perspective, uh, I can see the NFL being lower on him.
0: I will say this. I, I think you're right in that the hype maybe be too much on Tua. Maybe the NFL doesn't like him as much. The tank for Tua hashtag kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. But I think realistically, if you were forecasting or mocking trades, he doesn't fall to 10. Because mm-hmm. I do think that quarterback position, where it is, lives right now in the NFL. There are teams that come up to go get the you know Justin Herbert True. or Tua yeah, taken yeah, yeah. by Loa. But, but I, you, know, you didn't forecast trades in this one. I think falling to 10 makes sense if you're staying put with draft order.
1: And one more interesting note on Burrow. His grade right now passing grade 93.5 highest we've ever seen through seven weeks tied tied with who was he tied with Austin tell us
0: uh Kyler Murray No.
1: Nope. Baker Mayfield so <laughs> tied with a guy who also went number one overall not also I can't say that because Burrow hasn't gone yet but mm-hmm. that uh, I mean he's playing that level of football that is just beyond special beyond anything we've really seen before and he just has not had a bad game I mean when you're completing 79.6 percent of your passes Uh, there's not a lot of bad games on your tape.
0: Next perfect fit on this one, it's going to be Alex Leatherwood, the Alabama left tackle, going to the Cleveland Browns, a Browns team that is in desperate need of offensive line help. And Leatherwood, switching from right guard to left tackle, has played very well to start the season, an 87.3 pass blocking grade for him so far this year. He's only allowed a few pressures there. He is looking the part of a top 10 pick. Should make sense to the Browns. Yeah, he's
1: really smooth Uh, in terms of pass protection. I might take him – he's. I'm take him over Werfs and, and Thomas. I mean, Thomas and Werfs are special, freakish athletes that uh, are so, so physically dominant that I think it's going to work out at some point in the NFL. Leatherwood's not that level, but his feet, the way he uses his hands, uh, is very high-level NFL. This tackle class is, is going to be a legit one. I think you could see three guys, Leatherwood, Werfs, and Thomas, when it's all said and done, going in the top ten of this draft. That's how good they are. I'm not necessarily sure he's, you know, step on the field, dominate from day one, sort of ready, but going to the Cleveland Browns team uh, who would desperately need. Uh, help at you know I mean from we see for them definitely needs help at tackle he would be a perfect I, I think the most the most pro ready pass protector of those three
0: and talk about a, a time where the off the NFL needs some top ten worthy picks at offensive tackle there are mm. so many teams yes. right now in the NFL that need offensive line help specifically at tackle I think this would be a huge class to go get one mm-hmm. go get an offensive tackle draft one in the top ten maybe Leatherwood's your guy and
1: the interesting thing about this tackle class is they're all juniors uh, that's rare to see guys playing at this level. like with only three pressures all season long, only three hurries. At, playing at that level as a true junior usually takes a, a guys a while. Andre Dillard was a redshirt senior coming out last year. Dalton Reisner, redshirt senior, like the guys we ended up liking, the guys who grayed out highly, do so in their you know redshirt junior, redshirt senior years. This guy's already, already you know just a true junior doing what he's doing, so that. You know, when you're that young, already getting the job done is very impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's go to your next perfect fit here. We're going to go to the Denver Broncos. John Elway just getting his guy. This is John Elway to a T. Justin uh, Herbert going to the Denver Broncos at number 13.
1: I was going to say, this one's not necessarily the other one's a perfect fit in terms of like scheme and need. And this one's a perfect fit in terms of John Elway watching Justin Herbert's tape is probably just like salivating, watching him. Mm-hmm. He's probably just like that's me, you know, that was me <laughs> 30 years ago watching this guy, because he throws just a gorgeous football, mm-hmm. uh, like repeatedly, and when he, you know, when he does take his chances on the football field, he's usually accurate, like, this isn't a Josh Allen situation where, dude, he's got a cannon, but you don't know where it's always going, you know where it's going, like, he's pretty accurate with the football, but he's just, the, the decision making, the knowing where to go with it is not there compared to other guys in this class, and so I think he's he'd very much fit, you know, if, if John Owen's gonna fall in love with the Drew Locke. He's gonna fall in love with the Paxton Lynch he's going to fall in love with Justin Herbert. So that's why I think the other one's a perfect fit.
0: Staying on Herbert a little bit, I think he's received some flack on this podcast. We've talked about it in a bit. We're not as high on him as maybe Mm. others are. Looking specifically at the numbers, an 87.0 pass grade so far this year. He's got 12 big-time throws. Those are our highly graded throws in PFF system. Five turnover plays, not where you'd want him to be. You'd like to see him cut that figure down. Only one interception. I think that's where PFF grades can help you, seeing those turnover plays, plays that should have been an interception Mm -hmm. or were fumbled that don't really get heavily scrutinized in the box score. Um, So, you know, looking at those grades and and, and looking at his production, where do you, again, where do you need to see him improve? And is it possible to kind of reach that level? And you say this to decision-making, you like to see him be more of a gamer in these big games. Yes, that's
1: that's probably the best word. Be more of a gamer. Like, he's just not, uh, a guy like Deshaun Watson had a lot of bad decisions Mm -hmm. in terms of a lot of turnover where he plays in college. But he found a way to win. When it was crunch time, he was, you know, making big-time throws. He was taking chances, good chances with the football down the football field. Justin Herbert doesn't take those chances down the football field. It's, you know, he's one of those guys where it's a third and ten, and he, he sees his check down open. He goes to his check down when it's like, no, you really can't do that. That's not like that's still not going to get you a first down. Try to make that throw. Give your guy a chance. He doesn't have that sort of creativity to do that. down you know, The throw-making down the football field just has not been there over the course of his career. Uh, and then he also does have a serious fumble problem uh, already five this year. Uh, I think he had something like seven or nine last year, seven the year before that. Like fumbles have been an issue for him. So fumbles mixed with decision-making. He's dropping. Burroughs passed him on our board. Froms close to passing him. Uh, you love the raw tools, but those are only going to take you so far.
0: Can you think about a quarterback in mind, a comp, and I know this is a little bit on the spot, but that has all the tools, that has the ability to make any throw on the field, throws such a pretty ball, but doesn't do it. You know, doesn't do it when he should and, and doesn't take Steve advantage of Steve
1: said Jeff George back from the day, who oh, the wow. won one overall pick way back when from Illinois, uh, went to the Colts. Uh, I didn't scout him, obviously. I was like six, but... Um, <laughs> But I think they're there having quarterbacks who can you know physically put the ball where they want to, just decision-making-wise have not enough stuff.
0: Let's go ahead and move forward here. Uh, another perfect fit on the PFF's latest mock draft, courtesy of Mike Renner. Henry Ruggs of Alabama, the speedster, going to the Oakland Raiders, giving John Gruden mm. probably Derek Carr now that he's playing well. I don't think they do move on him before they go to Vegas. A weapon, a, a much-needed weapon. Right now, I think going against Green Bay this week, Tyler, Tyrell Williams is out. They're going to be trotting out Hunter Renfro, and I, they've released Ryan Grant. It's hard to even know the receivers they got. They're playing yeah. a ton of 12 personnel with Foster Moreau and Darren Waller because they honestly don't have the receiving talent to even do, like John Gruden's kind of patented 11 personnel mm-hmm. and things like that. I think with Henry Ruggs going to Oakland, I do think that makes a ton of sense for them.
1: Yeah, I, I like Henry Ruggs. I think he's a very West Coast type receiver. and you know, Six foot, 190, not going to impress you with his you know physicality but very sudden incredibly fast great b- great ball skills fantastic after the catch that, that to me screams like a john gruden type wide receiver uh so i think that's why i put him there and that's why i called this one of the perfect fits uh, over the past two years on uh, 64 catches here has 15 broken tackles like he's his and then his speed is just probably fast receiving college football so that's a good mix to have and with no ab there anymore out in Oakland. They've been desperately needing someone else at wide out.
0: I think that makes a ton of sense. Henry Ruggs, like you said, so sudden, so fast. I think he's a legitimate game changer. You speak to a guy that you know, you have these physical receivers that can do a lot in, in contested catch situations, but this is a guy that is a big play waiting to happen. I think that's common verbiage in scouting, but I, I legitimately think that. Yeah. I think when he catches the football, he's a broken tackle away from going to the house. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that with his production. The mm-hmm. guy's touchdown rate is insane. He doesn't have a ton of receptions, but has a ton of touchdowns. It's a high percentage for him. This is one of my favorite fits in this mock draft when I was editing this I saw it I I think this this one actually happens yeah it it could easily happen no matter
1: where it is like I think this is going to happen Boise
0: State edge defender who who gets kicked inside a ton he has a ton of versatility at that position Curtis Weaver going to the Baltimore Ravens where I think his skill set his positional versatility is used to the maximum
1: yeah this is like a he's like a Pernell McPhee Zadarius Smith like you watch those guys they're all the same vein in terms of they can play with power they use their hands extremely well they can they have the size to kick inside or play outside, basically anywhere along the line scrimmage you want them. That is Curtis Weaver to a T. 92.8 pass rushing grade last season, 2018. 92.1 already this year. Uh, already has 10 sacks on the season. This is third straight year with double digit sacks for Boise State. We're not we're halfway through. You know he's already up there, so he could get 220 feasibly by year's end. Uh, he's just good. Uh, the dude just wins a lot. Uh, his pass rushing win rates again over 30 percent after being over 30 percent last year. Like he is. Uh, we should probably be talking more about him as a top prospect in this draft and if he does follow the Ravens, like the the need that they have there at edge, combined with who he is, just seems like a perfect fit.
0: Absolutely, his pass rush win rate in PFF system has has been good for two multiple years now, and yeah. he's a guy that can win with power. Like you said, he's got verse you know, multiple ways he can win as a pass rusher. Great production, good size. He's not like a smaller edge defender that's getting it done in the group of five. He's yeah. a, he's got good size and, and winning with that size. Um, great fit for the Baltimore Ravens. Going to this next one here, a perfect fit for the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Jake Fromm. I, I think this is an interesting one. Yeah, Kirk Cousins on a guaranteed deal, and he's playing well right now. He just, he's coming off the best single-game right grade. Like right now, like one game. One game. Yeah. He's coming off the best single-game grade of his Minnesota Vikings tenure. Talking to me about this fit, why, why it makes so much sense I, for Minnesota. I think
1: the reason this makes so much sense for Minnesota is, one, uh, this roster is built to win. Now. They have a championship window here for the next handful, you know, two or three years at least uh, with how much talent is on that roster right now. They have a championship window. You have to maximize that. But Kirk Cousins is only on a contract for one more year. Like next year is his last year on a contract. We saw from his tenure in Washington, he is a mercenary. He has no, he has no allegiance to a franchise. If, and they can't really franchise tag him at his number because then, you know, it, the salary escalator with the franchise tag, he will be making something like $40 million on one season with the franchise tag. So they can't really franchise tag him. So if he wants to leave, he can just go. And he will just be able to leave after next season, and so you don't want to be stuck with a quarterback situation where you are basically behind the eight ball. Then, if Kirk Cousins leaves, if you draft a guy like Jake Fromm, where if you are picking in the mid twenties, a lot of times you are not going to be getting impact play out of a rookie, anyways. Let Jake Fromm season one, season season for one year on the bench comes in year two, and you still have that championship window with the quarterback. So, I think that would be a sort of very forward looking move and very prudent of the Minnesota Vikings to do something of that nature next season because. You just don't know with Kirk Cousins, and plus you don't know if he's going to even be even good. He's been he was trashed for like four or five games already this year. Uh, has the one big breakout game, and also know Evans back on, but uh, very up and down career from him so far.
0: And we spent a little bit of time on the Tuesday podcast on Jake Fromm and talking about his skill set specifically, but I want to dive a little bit more into now like what he is in this quarterback class. So you have Bomford, Burrow, Tank, Fortua, Justin Herbert gets mentioned a lot. Yeah. Jake Fromm an afterthought, but he has a 90.0 passing grade so far this year. Eight big time throws, just two turnover worthy plays. What are you seeing in him, and what's that evaluation right now? I
1: think that big-time throw to turnover where they play thing is very indicative. He is uh, he's on the Alex Smith side of the spectrum in terms of uh, doesn't take a lot of bad chances with the football, not going to throw a lot of picks, but downfield, he's just limited. Doesn't have a strong arm, not particularly accurate with football when he is throwing down the football field. But on the from 0 to 15 yards in that range, money uh every he's gonna throw with Which timing. Has value he's gonna yeah and that does have value he's gonna throw with timing he's gonna be accurate not gonna make bad decision with the football going to you know gonna protect an offensive line that might not be the best you no know, minnesota that also has you know some value there uh because he's gonna get the ball out of his hands but after that like i said he's just he's a limited quarterback that's why he's still fourth on our board in terms of our quarterback rankings and why i think late tw- you know in the late in the first round would make a lot more sense for him than a top 10 sort of pick.
0: What's interesting about this kind of quarterback discussion for this year's class is I don't think there's a Josh Allen. There's not a super inaccurate passer (laughs) that's being in the conversation for the first round. And I think all of these guys, some some are more accurate than others, but none of them are as inaccurate as maybe what Josh Allen was and what Lamar Jackson was. And I think Mm -hmm. that in and of itself, makes this a very good quarterback class. Being able to bring in quarterbacks that you know are going to be at least above average from an accuracy standpoint at certain areas of the field. Jake Fromm, not the biggest arm, like you said. Yeah. But I think that's interesting to see with this class because I think other classes, it's been a key separator between he's very accurate with the football and this guy is not, and a little yeah. bit more sporadic. Yeah. No. Uh, let's go ahead it's and go point. forward here. Um we have two more perfect fits before we dive into what's on tap. T. Higgins to the Green Bay Packers. If you want a big receiver, and I'm quoting you that tweet, yes. if you want a big receiver in this class, guy. T. Higgins is your guy from Clemson. And the,
1: the thing about it is, I mean, one, we saw the Packers without Devontae Adams the past week and just what that looked like. It was bad. It was, it was really bad. Um, those receivers dropping balls left and right. I think T. Higgins, one, can separate better than a lot of big wide receivers, and two, his body control, his ball skills are as good as it gets in this class. Go back to his freshman year against the Citadel. It was one of the best catches I've ever seen. His left-handed, one-handed catch. I don't believe he's left-handed, and he made that, which is very difficult to do. Um, but also, he is the best receiver in the country that I've seen on back shoulder fades. He adjusts, times them like just all that. Him and Trevor Lawrence there live off back shoulder fades. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been quite, hasn't quite been their bread and butter as it was. You know, maybe in the early thousand tens. But he still throws. He still will give his receivers chances when he trusts them on that back shoulder fade. Him and T. Higgins would be a perfect combination in that regard. So that's why I thought it was a perfect fit.
0: Rushing through this one, let's go. The last perfect fit we're going to discuss from the mock draft Raquan Davis to the New England Patriots. They grab their big run defending defensive mm-hmm. interior like they did with Malcolm Brown a few years ago. This is a guy that makes a ton of sense for the Pats. It's, it follows similarly to what they've done in drafts in previous years. They love
1: length. Raekon Davis, 6'7", going to have something like 36-inch arms uh, at 312 pounds. They love guys who can two-gap. That's Raquan Davis to a T, That's all Alabama does. Uh, pushing the pocket, rushing the passer, almost secondary that for them uh, in New England. Uh, and that's been secondary for Rayquan Davis over the course of his career. <laughs> Only a 73.0 pass rushing grade, which is a career high for him this year. He's just... I just think he's limited in that regard. He rushes so high. His bull rush isn't as effective as it could because I don't think he's that flexible, but he seems like a pretty sure thing against the run. Like, he just holds offensive linemen at bay. Guys can't get into him because he's so damn big. Uh, so I think that would be – that's just what they look for in defensive linemen there, Raekwon Davis
0: getting sure things against the run in the back end of the first round too with Raekwon Davis maybe maybe you go another way maybe we would to disagree ta- with value exactly. but it's
1: like that's that's a player that starts for your team I you
0: would, know yeah for sure well that's going to do it for perfect fits in PFF's latest mock draft courtesy of Mike Renner make sure to tune in as we continue to do more mock drafts and discuss this draft class moving forward um let's go ahead and dive into the weekend what's yeah. on tap we were talking about prospect matchups to watch go ahead and start us off with Duke versus Virginia this
1: one's not really I'm kind of cheating here I mm-hmm. just wanted to talk about about these two guys uh, because they're very similar. Charles Snowden and Chris Rumpf, uh, who, two I know really widely known prospects, but Snowden we've talked about before in the pod. He's 6'7", 235, uh, doesn't really have any pass rushing moves, but he, mo- he moves like a basketball player out there. Like He is freakishly quick, uh, very athletic. They kind of don't know what to do with them in that Virginia defense. Sometimes they're like, okay, go rush the passer, You're an edge rusher. Sometimes they're like, uh, you know, you really can't win as an edge rusher. Uh, go play in coverage, and he has uh, I'm not sure what to do with him either as a prospect in terms of where I play him. Love to see him develop some more pass rushing moves, but that really hasn't happened as of yet. So only a junior, probably going to come back uh, next season, but he's just a fun player to watch. If he doesn't rush the passer well against this Duco line, well, that will be an issue. And Rumpf is a similar guy, but he's undersized. And Rumpf's actually done extremely well as a pass rusher this year, 91.4 pass rushing grade. But the interesting thing with him is the way they line him up. They put like a three down front. And then he roams a little bit and then just like attacks one of the guards uh, right at the snap. And so that's how he gets like the majority of his pass rushing production. 21 pressures on only 103 snaps, but he's mainly just kind of like attacking a guard. And so he is very quick, uh, good length, only 6'3", 225, though. Like, so I don't know what to do with either of these guys. That's why I want to talk about them. I don't know what the hell they are as prospects, but they're both very fun to watch, both very athletic. And I think... Uh, in the hands of a little creative defense coordinator, they could have some value.
0: It screams New England Patriots for me. What they've mm, done yeah. to get good production out of Kyle Van Oy and um jamie collins he is could still, play, yeah it, i feel like if you look at kyle vannoy he played a lot of off-ball linebacker last year rushed the passer a ton but not as much as he is now they've rushed mm-hmm. him over 80 times this year i think he was close to that all of last year i think yeah. they play to player strengths strength, and yeah. move people around and love that versatility so much that i think these when so. you have players like this mm-hmm. there are there are defensive coordinators that don't touch these guys i would never i would never i would never coach this guy up i can't play him at edge. no it's like yeah this guy's
1: it. not a six technique exactly
0: right. and but there are defense corners like you know what i think i can do this with them i mm. think i can play him this way and, and get positive value and i think that's what it screams for me for new england patriots um let's go ahead and move forward here on our what's on tap lsu at mississippi state you got bombed for burrow there but you're talking about some other guys
1: yeah so willie gay jr the linebacker for mississippi state pick six his first uh you know first series of the year against kentucky uh gets suspended the next week so uh not great there but came back against Tennessee last week. It will play this week, I believe, against LSU. And him versus Jordan Jefferson in the matchup I want to see. Because Willie Gay, Jordan Jefferson, attacks the middle of the field. From the slot, that's where a lot of his routes end up going. We Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Sorry. No, you're good. Justin Jefferson. That's a lot where a lot of his routes attack. So Willie Gay will be there in coverage on him. Just want to see that sort of matchup. Just how they just how they go up against him. Not going a ton of routes.
0: Yeah. You yep. don't normally talk about off ball linebackers going against receivers, but I think Pretty that's fun. a lot of where yep. Justin Jefferson's productions has yep. come from. You hit me with that stat on the Tuesday podcast that he has so much production running against zone over the middle mm-hmm. of the field. You have to see maybe Willie Gay come in there and stop that. A name that you, we haven't talked about a ton, but he'll be in this one too, going against a very good quarterback and a good receiving course, Cameron Dansler. Yes. The Mississippi State corner. This is a guy that, when I was watching him before the season started, thought he had, had you know, he's got size, got length, and I think he had some good coverage ability. And now this year, 82. 2.2 2 coverage grade on the year he's only allowed will have four receptions in coverage on 12 targets and 111 coverage now. so
1: I I liked him coming into the year but I liked basically what he was was all last year he would just press and just take guys out he's just ridiculously long arms at 6'2 but he was like 175 pounds also last year and he would just eliminate guys because he's so long and just engulf them at the line of scrimmage which is great not a super varied skill set. And when you're 175 pounds, you're not going to be a press man corner in the NFL. You're just going to get bodied by any guy yeah. you know, 210 pounds. You're just, that's just what's going to happen. So I was like, okay, well, I need to like, right now he's not going to be high on the board. We'll see what happens next season. Now he's like up to 185. So he's bigger. He's added on some muscle. And he's made some plays some off zone. Uh, one was a dropped interception that were a lot, just showed me a lot more than what I saw from him last year in terms of just being able to play press. So was his zone coverage ability that I've seen so far this year been fantastic really would like to see more from him but he's shooting up our board currently at the moment so a big big match for him with you know jamar chase on the outside Ooh. chase not a prospect for this year but next year
0: yeah i mean cameron dancer going against this receiving core overall he's hmm. gonna have opportunities to go against some legit nfl receiving talent if he pops off the tape in this one i mean i think it's a good time to yes for everyone involved to start watching more tape of him and really diving into him as a prospect he's an underclassman too so I think yeah, with, with with Dantzler, I think there's opportunities for him to come back. But if he starts to blow it up, lights up Joe Burrow, turns this guy inside out, I think you could start to see some good things.
1: Turn set inside out.
0: <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move on to our next game here, a Pac-12, a little Oregon at Washington. There's a ton of – maybe not a ton of prospect matchups, but there is a lot of prospects in this game. Yes. I think let's start – we already talked a lot of Justin Herbert – What is your take on Aaron Fuller? This is a guy who's had a ton of spectacular catches. Mm -hmm. He he looks like a spectacular catch waiting to happen, but he also had a very bad game with multiple drops. He was on our blackouts Mm -hmm. segment on a Tuesday podcast in previous weeks. What's your take on Aaron Fuller and this matchup and where he is as a prospect right now?
1: Aaron Fuller has good athleticism, not great athleticism, and his size, I think he's something like 5'11", 185. I, I just worry about him being able to win consistently on the outside cuz one we've kind of already seen it to some degree he's been very just bad in contested mm-hmm. situations. Yes, he had the amazing one-handed catch uh, earlier in this year but 3 of 12 this year, I think it was 7 of 22 last year, those are bad numbers in contested catch situations. That's you just can't do that on the outside uh, and expect if you're if you're not a high high level separator, if you're not, you know, freakish Tyreek Hill, if you're not going to get that level of separation, which I have not seen from Fuller going to have to win those contested catch situations, going to have to be stronger at the catch point along your routes than Fuller has been. I just don't think he has the best ball skill. So at that point, kind of limited to the slot, and he's had very big drop issues over the course of his career, over 10% drop rate each of the past two
0: seasons so he, he should see some some time against Diamador Limoire yes a, a that would plays, be nice who plays a ton of outside corner he kind of splits his time at left and right cornerback doesn't isn't isolated to one side of the field mm-hmm. I think him going against Diamador gives an opportunity to see again Aaron Fuller going against NFL talent a matchup to watch mm-hmm. and one that I think when we do get in the off season and people turn attention away from the NFL and focus on the NFL draft we're going to be seeing clips of this matchup and and, and how it went
1: yeah I want this one's bigger for me for Diamador because we're higher on Diamador right now I'm just at it We've seen a lot of Aaron Fuller. I don't really feel great about him as prospect. Lenoir Lenoir, press coverage almost half a snap, so he's going to be up in Fuller's grill. That's what you want to see. You want to see those one-on-one guy, you know, the mano a mano sort of matchups. He plays uh, the boundary there for them, so uh, the tight side of the field. That's he'll be there at corner every single snap, so he gets a lot of targets. Uh, and so we'll see that matchup. You know, he'll get a good that'll be that'll be tape that you go back to, uh, you know, next spring if Lenoir does declare, because he's also a junior.
0: Let's go to the Big Ten, Michigan going against Penn State. There are some opportunities, some prospects to watch in this one, for sure.
1: Yes, Michigan-Penn State, a lot along the last scrimmage. We talked about Michigan's D-line a lot. Uh, Josh Ucci, uh, how he did, how he fared. Quidipe. Pay. if that's how we... Did we ever look that one up? No, I did, I did. I I looked it up. It's it's Quidipe. Uh, But the the one I'm watching is because uh, these guys have had fantastic years. Michigan guards, uh, Ben Bredesen... Like on, Ye- on way new, uh, Le- Bredesen plays left guard on way new right guard, have had very good years in terms of pass protection, have faced a very uh, slap schedule uh, uh, of defensive tackles at, up to this point. So they really haven't faced anyone worth a damn. This will be Robert Windsor, the defensive tackle for Penn State. I think he has something like 20 pressures on the year already. He has been one of the better interior pass rushers, pass rushing grade in the mid-80s. Uh, someone in my mentions the other day called him a possible first rounder. I don't see it at all. Uh, he's not that athletic, yeah. but he has, a, he has a big heart, mm-hmm. and he tries really hard. And his bull rush is actually pretty dope. So Why you got him do going like, against, that? You do like that? <laughs> him going up against those two guards, though, a real test for those two. And it might be a situation where, well, hopefully it's a situation where Michigan's down at the end of the game, and they're going to have to pass, and then it ultimately loses the game because fuck Michigan.
0: Another matchup in this one, a guy who plays a ton of slot cornerback for Michigan, Ambry Thomas, the underclassman. Uh, He has an 89.8 coverage grade on the year. He's only allowed nine receptions from 21 targets. For 62 total yards No touchdowns allowed Two picks And a handful of pass breakups This is a guy that's played really well Kind of under the radar for yeah. Michigan I think he has an opportunity Going against Penn State K.J. KJ Hamler. Hamler He'll see a ton of K.J. Hamler And I think Michigan plays a good amount of man I think he, he, yeah, he, he, he could get man. involved with um, K.J. Hamler And I think seeing that matchup is big For Hamler Because I want to see him go against a man I want to yeah. see him go against no, a guy like nice. Ambry Thomas Who wears a number one on his chest And is good mm. If you were number one in college football You know you went you into it be. And you were recruited And they're like Dude we'll give you the number yeah. one jersey unless it's florida obviously florida has that whole thing with the number one got to earn that one but some people some teams use it as a recruiting play dude we'll let yeah. you wear number one it'd be pretty fire five star ambry's like again, yeah let you wear one sign me up <laughs> i will take number one eight okay but he's played very well and i think yeah. he has a good matchup to watch hamler very good in the slot great production here's a test
1: yeah thomas 62 yards in his coverage all year on uh 21 targets that's that's less than three yards a target. That's very if good. Uh, keep it home.
0: Th- okay, let me say this though. <laughs> that, that's production we see from Michigan cornerbacks because they play man. It's yeah, because it,
1: they play man. They play physical man. And they go wear. against. I mean, t- the start of the season has 10. been not great. <laughs> and you know? this is the Big Ten, not the Big Twelve. So yeah, I mean, that is a big part of it. They played Army, who passed six times all game against them. So that that's going to help your coverage numbers. Jeez, also, Wisconsin passed like none because they didn't have to in that game. So that's a that is a part of it. But uh, he is. Talented, I, I'm not ready to put him in close to the top cornerback yeah. group. I don't think he's at that level yet. But for a junior, we like we've seen.
0: It's frustrating because you look at his best games on his schedule. Middle Tennessee, great game. Rutgers, yeah. Iowa, Illinois. You want to see more him go against Big Twelve offenses and, yeah. and get the reps in the slot. Maybe against, just anyone. who's Yeah, yeah, yeah anyone <laughs> who's good. So I guess that that is unfortunate. I think every Thomas. You have to, this, this is why you yeah. have to pay close attention to the player evaluation. You can't look at even just the advanced stats for mm-hmm. PFF because this guy's going against one. He's going against bad offenses that won't test him a ton in the slot uh, with with good talent. And two, I think. You need to see how he performs against other competition, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's important for Ambry Thomas to kind of turn on the tape, specifically for this matchup. Mm-hmm. Let's see how he handles KJ Hamler. Um, going forward here, let's go Tennessee against Alabama. Alabama always a kind of a prospect warehouse. There's always guys coming out. A name we haven't talked about a ton though, Jedrick Willis Jedrick. Jr.
1: I think it's just Wills, right? Jedrick Wills? Wills Jr. Sorry, that's on me. That's on me. Just Jedrick Wills, yeah. which wild last name mm-hmm. but he leads all tackles in the country no excuse me so penny sewell leads all tackles in the country in big time blocks he is second leads all draft eligible tackles in the country he is as explosive a tackle in college football as exists Yeesh. uh he probably he's probably gonna have he, he reminded me on tape just physically in terms of how he moved of lane johnson and that he just like out of his past sets he's just like fucking three yards deep like wow. right he just explodes off the line of scrimmage he's very uh, it's it's very fun to watch hashtag, um, but this season pass protection leaves a little bit to desired. His feet get so wide, lets the inside door open all the time. Drell Taylor could expose that. I want to see Drell Taylor, that bull rush we talked about early in the po- early in the week podcast, uh, who just sunned Mississippi State this past week. I want to see him against Wills because I'm not sure the bull rush is going to work against Wills. Wills is a powerful dude. I'm not sure he's going to be just walked back into the quarterback. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch that's a that's a legit those are high level prospects to watch right there wills uh working his way in towards the first round conversation at this point
0: great in pass protection for wills but what really stands out for me when you look at his game by game grading he has a ton of high single game grades and run blocking and that's hard to do in pff system to that's be that like consistent most big time blocks yeah There's- to be that consistent as a run blocker from a game to game basis is, is evidence of power. It's evidence of being able to move people off their spot and dominate the line of scrimmage. And that, that kind of run blocking you love to see in the SEC. He
1: had a block against the Ole Miss linebacker a couple weeks ago in space, climbing up to the second level, just drops, you know, drops the hips, sinks the hips, drops the hands, through them. Threw him up in the air. They could do his feet left <laughs> the ground. Uh, another another grown man threw another grown man. That's that's impressive stuff. You don't yeah. see it a lot.
0: That's yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and look at another matchup here. Trey Smith's gonna take on some good Alabama defensive lineman. This is a good test for him.
1: Yeah, Trey Smith talked about him on the Early League pod playing great football since week four on, second highest grade guard in all of college football. You love to see that, but maybe not the best competition that he's been facing there on the interior. He'll face some real competition this time Raekwon Davis touched on him early he's just a difficult guy to block in the run game so that'll be a nice test for him and then I want to see Christian Barmore a guy who's an underclassman sophomore has impressed as a pass rusher for them high 80s pass rushing grade so far for him uh he's more of a he's a sub package guy but I mean he'll be facing Tennessee's going to be passing a lot I assume they'll be down in this one so uh, that'll be a nice matchup for Trey Smith. Get a, a lot of good pass pro reps in this one.
0: I mean, looking at Barmore a little bit closer you know, on a small sample size, 59 total snaps this year and 89.6 grade, oh, 90.9 yeah. against the run, 84.9 as a pass rusher. He's gonna be a dude. Consensus four-star recruit. These are the guys on Alabama that you start <laughs> yeah. to pay close attention to because they don't get a ton of snaps early on. He's only uh, a redshirt freshman. Yeah, He redshirted last year He's a redshirt freshman, and when you can have this kind of production as a redshirt freshman in Alabama scheme, when he does get more opportunities, he'll be an interesting guy to watch in PFF system because if these grades continue across larger sample size, you're going to start to get pretty excited about yeah, this guy. I Similar mean they will. to he'll be the, we'll the, be talking about a lot next to there. year before Quentin Williams. Oh, Quentin Williams breakout year. You know, because yeah. when Quentin Williams did what he did across, I think what it was like around 220 snaps, mm-hmm. earned very high grades, was crazy in PFF's raw plus minus grading, yeah. and, then, and he was flagged. And I think in an athletic article I wrote uh, as part of that partnership hey, this is a guy to watch this upcoming season. here in high grades on a small sample size. Let's nice. see how it goes. And then here he goes, Quentin Williams, I guess yep. a bigger sample size, dominates with Alabama. I think Barmore is a fake ID, a, a surprise fake oh, ID. Oh, we just threw a surprise fake ID. A little love surprise it. fake ID for future um, future them. prospects and things like that. Um, let's go ahead and move forward here. we got another matchup we want to talk on in this uh, Washington State versus Colorado. We got Lavisca Chenault. The Late Show. He put him up in you know you got him in the first round. You you love his skills again, but you even mentioned it in the in the write up and I, we've talked about it at this podcast. We want to see him win a little bit more in those one-on-one situations. He probably doesn't get a ton of opportunities at the college level to do so. But, again, going against Washington State, he's going to get a ton of targets. This should be a shootout. They haven't
1: been pumping him, though, those kind of like underneath targets that he would see a lot last year. They'd put him as kind of an H-back and then get him across formation off play action and just be like, here, you, you go. Mm-hmm. Like, you take it and you run with it. Uh, they haven't been doing that as much to him this year. So only 33 targets now through five games. Trying to kind of use him more as a deep receiver, but I don't think that, you know, uh, they don't have they don't have the offensive pe- personnel there to run a, a great passing game uh, outside of Chenault. So it's been rough go of it for him, but I do still think he is – I still believe in just how special of an athlete he is. He's 6'2", 220, and he, he does not move like a guy who's 6'2", 220. He moves like a scat back the way he runs on the football field.
0: And, so. and speaking of receivers that you want to believe in, Aesop Winston Jr., the Washington oh, State God, guy I, I, always, I always bring up. But uh, he's a guy that has not cracked our top 75 yet. I'm still trying to. This? I'm still trying to get him into that conversation, <laughs> but he's another guy I'm going to watch. You know, going against Darnay Holmes, which we'll talk about after this. He roasted him at the line of scrimmage, had a couple nice plays over the top against him. He has shown that he can win at the line of scrimmage at his size and, 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 and create separation. And that's what I like about him. I know he's in Washington State's offense. The production is largely inflated, but he's a guy I'm going to continue to harp on until I start to see more negatives and positives, because right now I see a ton of positives. A guy that if you do draft late day two, maybe day three, yep. I think you're getting plus production from him. There's lots of like.
1: I mean, he doesn't have a super hard, difficult matchup here. I don't think like Colorado's yeah. tape you're going to go back to and watch in terms of the DBs there. Utah might be where he only had two catches for 30 yards hey 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 I, I'm just saying but no I, I mean there is a lot to like I liked his releases when in that game against Darnay Holmes he had some just beautiful release off the line of scrimmage there's there is a lot to like but mm-hmm. I, I a lot of people talk about quarterback I've gotten a lot of questions about Anthony Gordon there the yeah. quarterback there's not a lot to like that I, really? I think he just does not have he didn't have the arm and then if you the Utah game was like so bad that I don't see how you can like recover from he just was so so bad with his decision making he did, he threw two linebackers like stationary linebackers m- on a handful of occasions it was uh, it was just tough to watch i don't know
0: yeah with anthony gordon i think people see the production in washington state game, they had that big say, game you, know, you like, oh, the is this the, next? the ucla game where each team i think put up like what 50 plus points and people were like yeah. let's go Gardner minch having success luke falks having uh, i mean he just got released <laughs> but with, i think with anthony gordon arm strength Arm talent, not, not there, there, even though Steve Palazzolo said he flashed a little bit. Steve Palazzolo yeah. came downstairs today That was, was like, Hey, we were watching a little Anthony Gordon recently. He flashed some arm talent. Like you can't, like you, you said, flash you can't flash arm. arm talent. You either have it or you don't. It's not like, like a pitcher throws a 101 mile of fastball. Like, well, it he's sits probably got, in the high 80s. And usually, it, it's it, it's just not going to happen. You have to have it or you don't. Like yeah. Steve Palazzolo just getting caught in the minor league days. He was,
1: yeah, I was gonna say, I think he he threw on a faulty gun once, and it's like I flashed arm talent.
0: <laughs> Steve Palazzolo threw in a faulty gun that kind of like helped his entire career. Yeah. and he's helped. Okay, fun fact on Stevie P. I don't people probably know this, but Steve Palazzolo, when he was in the minor league days, nickname. Pitching Tower of Pisa, because he's Italian. And he's that <laughs> tall, and I think he's got a nice little lean. But they wrote a feature on him. It was fantastic. Man,
1: if he would have made the big leagues, he would have been famous. Like, oh, very dude, Pitching Tower of that, Pisa? With, that, with that, that hair?
0: With that little curl thing he's got going on?
1: And especially because he was like right in the Kenny Powers like, yes. when uh, Eastbound yes. Down was coming out. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, all right, well, let's move let's forward let here. I, before we dive into the draft specials where we talk about rookie prospects to watch upcoming weekend, Let's dive into Darnay Holmes' situation. So, yeah. you know, reports came out that he intends to transfer away from UCLA. I saw somebody saying Ohio State heavily recruited him. It would make sense. I mean, I would love to see yes. Darnay Holmes transfer to Ohio State and play as much man coverage as Ohio State plays with that coaching staff. I think maybe that's a pipe dream. But given that he is transferring, he's obviously coming back to school. Will not be in the 2020 NFL Draft. Yeah. What do we need to see from him? Let's forget the school. It's going to be hard to predict what school he goes to. But What do we need to see from him with his new school to really start to project him as a top talent? I
1: mean, I'm glad he's transferring because he he did not improve. Like, Mm -hmm. from last year to this year, it's the same stuff at the line of scrimmage that he's just getting turned around, same biting on double moves. It's it's just been not good, like, objectively bad here this year for him at UCLA. So glad he's, you know, new situation, getting some different coaching in his ear. But he has a lot of speed. He's got the great frame for the cornerback, which is not, not in terms of length, but like, he's a solid uh i think he's a sure enough tackler to play at the next level but yeah you just need to at his size he needs to be a sticky type of cornerback to stay on the outside uh and he just he's just too sloppy this field. just too jumpy uh too anxious to make plays at every level of the football field and now we loved him because of the, some of those plays you know the slant route against Nikhil harry that he jumps the deep ball against marquise brown but I think someone needs to reel him in and tell him when to make calculated decisions with those uh, playmaking opportunities.
0: Improved coaching, improved technique would help him a ton. He's already graduated, which yeah. will help us transition. So he's yeah, exactly. eligible next year. He'll exactly. be playing. Yeah. He'll be playing next year. With Darnay, too, I think when you're watching him, I think you speak to that aggressiveness. But I, I want to say this about him. Transferring, I think, sometimes has a negative connotation with the type of player he is or whatever. But this is a guy that was calling team meetings when UCLA was getting dogged yeah. by Cincinnati and trying to get this team to rally. Didn't seem, yeah. I don't think I you know, from the I mean, a lot of it's speculation, but from the off-field stuff I saw and like reading about him as a player, none of it did I see, you know, a you know, a diva type of you know, cornerback or anything like that. Exactly. I mean, the guy graduated in two years, smart kid, obviously, and I think he's just trying to make the best choice for his future. If anything, it's an educated decision. He knows he's graduating, he knows he can play next year. Year. I think I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Crossing my fingers at somewhere that plays a ton of man coverage. Notre Dame, dude. <laughs> Notre Dame, get out of here. um But yeah, we'll see. D V U. Is he gonna go to D V U? Stop. Where's D V U again? Um, Notre Dame now. All right, so <laughs> let's go ahead and talk some rookie matchups. We're rookie matchups, and we're also rookies to watch in some upcoming games for the Sunday Slate. This is our draft special segment. Um, let's go ahead and start with the Oakland Raiders going to Lambeau as five-and-a-half-point dogs to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the, the, you know, the Raiders, I want to start with this, have two rookies that are performing pretty well right now. I think that both of them, among the entire 20, 2019 class, have top ten overall grades. Josh Jacobs, who has been very good on the ground, still needs to get involved as a receiver, and Foster Moreau, the... Uh, LSU tight end has had some mm-hmm. success with tight end production too, a lot of it's scheme, but he's made some plays after the catch. I yeah. think he surprises people with his athleticism. Two rookies that are really like adding a ton for this team right now when the offense is kind of looking for playmakers.
1: Josh Jacobs guy who should have a big game. If you're gonna have a big if any one of these guys, Cleon Farrell also on this list, gonna have a big game for Oakland. I think it's Josh Jacobs because of the way the Packers sort of, they will give you favorable looks against the run. Like, they are begging you. They will play light boxes. They will play these, you know, bare fronts, which is three down linemen, two outside linebackers, and then one linebacker behind it. So you have six guys in the box, and then they say those six guys stop the run. There, so there will be a gap down. You'll, there will be a gap that is, you know, technically open because they're asking guys to play multiple gaps at the same time. Uh, so there will be space to run. Josh Jacobs the guy who's just got a – you make one man miss in this Packers defense, you get a big play uh, usually against this, against the Packers. That's just how they're set up. They want to stop the pass. And so I think there will be opportunities for him. From what we've seen from him, I think he's going to make most of them. I think he's going to have a big game this week against Green Bay.
0: All right, let's go to talk Cleveland Farrell a little bit. I put him on oh, this list not because to. he's not going to have a big game, but I think going into this game – He is one of the lowest-ranked edge defenders in pass rush grade and pass rush win rate. I think there's only two that are worse. Mm. He's going against David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga. It's not going to – if he's healthy. He missed the last game, but they're coming off a bye. I think he is healthy now. He will be playing in this one. It's not going to get better for him, I'll tell you that. He he gets kicked inside a ton. I think he gets stonewalled against guards against Green Bay as well. I do not see him having success, and this is a bad matchup for him. But, again, it's another opportunity to talk about his body of work. He was the – Second edge defender. taken. The fourth up. overall pick. Fourth overall pick. Like this pick. dude,
1: this is the fourth overall pick, and he is the lowest passer. He rate. Right you know, he's the wor- yeah. he's the worst full time starter in the NFL right now in terms mm-hmm. of rushing the passer. Like and it's- you drafted him. Okay, I'm just done. Let's <laughs> just move it's, on. From that. It's it's just not a great you start for Clayton Farrell. A guy who's John Davidson's des- son's going to DM me again.
0: <laughs> he's in you know desperate need of of a bounce back game and i just don't see it happening yeah, against green bay unfortunately uh let's go to the next game here minnesota at detroit which i think is going to be a very good game i really do like where matthew stafford is right now being oh, a little wait, bit can we more just, aggressive back in that green bay game can go we just talk
1: about Rashawn gary a little bit who's also in a similar, similar boat? boat yeah go ahead to clinton farrell he has six pressures on 61 pass rushing snaps and a 59.8 grade uh didn't have single pressure this past week against detroit he's just He's been, the same. Like, he's been the same as Clinton Farrell in that he does not have. He's been hurt he's by go- steam, <laughs> just like he's, in Michigan. He's been trying to bull rush offensive tackles, and he, he just doesn't have – he just doesn't sink into his – but he doesn't sink and then doesn't keep his feet churning. It's just the technique's not there. Now, the Explosive has the size. It's just not there right now. I mean, and that was a pick that we were like – I would Chase Winovich is better right now yeah. than him. I think Chase Winovich has been better than him as a rookie and has played a lot more snaps, so – uh, the fact that Rashawn Gary is in a similar boat to Clinton Farrell, we'll just say we're not surprised.
0: Yep. Let's go Minnesota at Detroit here. Garrett Bradbury, who had a little bit of a bounce back. Game. I was gonna say
1: we we didn't give him a lot of. did we? Did we didn't talk about him in the last week's? No, He didn't give up a single pressure. That's huge. so massive. All the way back, he hasn't given up a single pressure the last two games. So we were wrong.
0: Apparently. 85.2 pass blocking grade this past week. Kirk Cousins had a ton of success. I'm not saying it's a you know a full 180 for him. I still think there's some bad games this, ahead. But this is at least, at least you're seeing it. I would say,
1: but this like is the matchup where it's like if things really have turned, do it against Damon Harris. <laughs> you know, do it against the best run stuffing nose tackle in the NFL. If you've really turned the corner, uh, that's just I'm a, that's skeptical. It's a tough. I mean, it's a tough matchup for any center.
0: He still looks very good. I mean, you look at this past week. He played very well in that game yeah. that they lost to Green Bay. I think Demon Harrison, this is going to be a tough match for Garrett Bradbury. Those short arms are going to come up, okay? Big Snacks is going to be feasting. I- I'm nervous. I think Garrett Bradbury, like you said, has an opportunity to put his foot in the ground and, and stonewall Damon Harrison and really kind of announce himself as, you know, you know mm-hmm. what, I've, r- I've righted the ship. I'm ready to be a legitimate player for this team. I'm a first-round talent, and if he does it against Demon Harrison, I think you have to be really excited for that. Yeah.
1: No, this is a good matchup for him.
0: So. All right, uh, talk to me about T.J. Hawkinson. He's going against a, a good, very good linebacking core in Minnesota. There's a good mm-hmm. secondary. That defense is, I think, a little bit underrated from a talent perspective. T.J. Hawkinson will have a, a game, to, uh, a matchup for sure. Yeah,
1: T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, he's had since he had 131 yards in Week One. He's only had 56 since. And and I just, I think this goes back to the larger conversation. I don't want to make it hardy Val of Hawkinson, who had a you know had an opportunity to fade last week against Adrian Amos. Ball came out when he hit the ground. I'm not going to make any sweeping judgments from stuff like that, but I just think that tight ends, drafting them top 10, the reason we don't get on board drafting tight ends top 10 is because they don't move the needle in a passing offense. Uh, there's so few passing offenses that feature them enough to move the needle. 187 yards through five games is not moving the needle. Where you As you see guys like D.K. Metcalf, Marquise Brown, guys who were drafted far later, moving the needle a lot more. I get that you know they have two wide receivers there. Yeah, Terry McLaurin. Like you – I get that you have a couple wide receivers in Trench Ray there in Detroit. Needed the tight end. But number eight overall, like what he's adding compared to, uh, you know, some tight ends you could have gotten later in the draft. I just don't think the value is ever going to be there for a lot. There's just so few tight ends that actually bring that value. Uh, I just just want to touch on that conversation because after that week one game, we're like, oh, shit, you know, he might have this monster year, but it's just not quite been. Targets haven't been there.
0: For sure. I mean, talk about, we've talked about tight end evaluation overall on this podcast a few times. I mean, so much of the production is scheme, scheme. and getting people, and scheme getting them open and them doing things after the catch and mm-hmm. adding there. That's why you see a George Kittle yeah. and a Travis Kelsey have so much success because they're legitimate the athletes yeah. and they make plays after the catch. George Kittle broke the record for PFF yards after the catch from a tight end. I think from all players even. Yeah. It, it's insane what you, if you have a tight end that when you scheme open, makes some significant plays and stiff arms people in the dirt mm-hmm. and, and gets yards after the catch, it's a different story. Yes. But if you, get, if you have players that... Hawkinson. Yeah, exactly. Zero tackles. That's not good. Yeah. You know, in a word not... No, two words, not
1: good. <laughs> yeah, I was one word. No.
0: Uh, Arizona at New York Giants. I think there's some interesting prospects in this two, one.
1: Two probably O-Roy, o- D-Roy favorites here. Oh. What'd you I, say?
0: You're, you're going to abandon Gardner Minshew like that?
1: Okay, I Brian mean, Kyler Bur- Murray. I, I get that Gardner's like the hype, but I think I feel like Kyler Murray.
0: Okay, if he continues what he's doing now, so let's talk a little bit about Kyler Murray. Over okay. the past two weeks, he's had fantastic games for a rookie quarterback. He's really turned the corner these past two weeks, playing a lot better. I think he's got a feel for the system. He's being a little bit more confident and running the football. A Kyler lot has more. a higher
1: grade. You're going to go against our grades, Austin? I'm not going against our grades.
0: <laughs> maybe I'm just a big fan of a mustache. I yeah. don't know. Okay, don't dive into my. I mean, know, I see your your, your Google it's right search there. history. Okay, it's right geez. on the back of your <laughs> computer right now. Oh, that's true. I mean, how can I go against? Um, Anyway, Kyler Murray has played really well in the last two weeks, has started to run the football through design runs and have success. He looks speedy, still putting the ball very accurately mm-hmm. down the field, which you'd love to see. Kyler Murray maybe is a favorite for O'Reilly.
1: Yeah, and he's going. he's got this nice little stretch here. Bengals D, Falcons D, Giants mm. D, where it's just... Mm,
0: that's, just a, that's a nice yeah. pair three Ds right there that just, are gonna yeah. be pretty nice. Um, <laughs> you take them all down Yeah. <laughs> uh, on uh, a Saturday, front Sunday night.
1: Um, all righty, then. No, but he... I mean, it's a very... He's going to, I just expect him to go off again. Like mm-hmm. that's, he looks like he deserved to be the number one overall pick.
0: Absolutely. Going to the to Dexter Lawrence, he's the highest graded rookie in football right now. He was highlighted that on our, uh, in recent weeks and highlighted that in our articles on the site. Dexter Lawrence playing very well. We turned on the tape just before the podcast to kind of get a big, in addition to the production, a taste of what he's doing. He looks quick off the snap. Yep. Can actually rush the pass or push the pocket, beating blocks quickly, had a good game against Tampa Bay. I really do think Dexter Lawrence is playing much better than his... Uh, Clemson counterpart Christian Wilkins much better than Cleveland Farrell who was drafted ahead of him as what well. I think Dexter Lawrence again maybe is a favorite for D-Roy. I think Brian Burns is playing well too. Yeah, and he's got to buy this Nick week. Bosa, Nick Bosa, sorry, I I, too. I, bl- I blacked out. Nick when Bosa, Bosa is that. playing is black like out
1: the, black out of the week. is <laughs> Me not saying Nick Bosa. Nick there. Bosa
0: is playing at the level of like a veteran. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's putting up Joey Bosa numbers at this Ugh. point. I think Nick Bosa is probably the favorite for D-Roy, but Dexter Lawrence having a very good start to the year.
1: Yeah, and the thing I love is he's already played 238 snaps. Like so, he's going to be on pace for. Just a little quick mental math. Oh, over 600 snaps, I think. Mm-hmm. Just that's whoa, maybe. Um, Beautiful, <laughs> but <laughs> over 600 snaps is a good a, a, a that's a good for a nose tackle. Like mm-hmm. he's playing more than now. I still would love for him to shed 20 to 25 pounds and play more like 700, 800 snaps. And I would love to do but, the same. Okay, <laughs> but it's not it's not that but easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, diet starts tomorrow. So, uh, so but so Dex still playing well at, at that at that. At that, uh, which McClath?
0: I think they listened to the podcast because I remember going into maybe week three or week four, we were saying, Hey, he's only still only playing around 30 snaps a game. And you know, if you're gonna draft him in the first round, 17th overall, this guy needs to play 50 plus snaps a game to really get that value. In the two games in in week five and week six, over 50 50 50 plus snaps again, yep, over 50 snaps played, an 83.0 overall grade against Minnesota, an 84.2 overall grade against New England. When you start to play him more and he starts to get, you know, having that kind of production. I'm starting to get a little excited. And so the
1: Dexter Lawrence conversation also goes back to when, so when Dolphins drafted Christian Wilkins, we were like we we had Lawrence higher on our board mm-hmm. because Lawrence, while they were like similarly productive in college, Lawrence was 21, Wilkins is 23. Like a guy age who's matters. doing it, a guy who's doing it already as a true freshman and then as a true junior, compared to a guy who the light switch flips on as mm-hmm. a redshirt senior, there's a big difference. And there. and
0: that's why age matters. I think you bring up age and you say he's gonna be really young in the NFL. I think the reason age matters is because if you see a guy who's producing at a very high level at a young yeah. age, specifically in the trenches, you look right. at Marvin Wilson right now, who's playing really well at a young age, Dexter Lawrence when he was at Clemson, you really have to like that because that means as they mature physically, literally physically mature, mm-hmm. you're talking about scratching the surface of even more potential. Potential even more production and Dexter Lawrence getting older getting wiser more physically mature is dominating in the yeah. trenches right now yep. and a blackout d favorite by Matt Krenner yeah. but obviously Nick Bosa playing a little bit better but Dexter Lawrence you're getting a good ROI if this guy's having this production on 50 plus snaps a game yep let's chug a prospect we're gonna finish this uh podcast a little chug- wait no
1: one more Just want to talk about a guy we have Oh,
0: that's right. You're right. Texans going to the Colts. Charles Menahue, the Texas edge defender. He played some DI there. He's moved in, moved around on that line of scrimmage. He's doing the same kind of role with the Texans. He's taking on a very good Colts offensive line. Braden Smith, second-year guy, has played very well. Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, that's a very good offensive line. He should see some good matchups. He's earned a high grade on a small sample size. I think he's only rushed 97 times, rushed a passer 97 times, but... On those snaps, he's got a high grade. He's, he's yeah. performing well. Fifth rounder,
1: yeah. fifth rounder, Menahieu. Well, we, well, above expectation. We liked him a little more. We liked him. We had a seventh, fifth overall player on our draft board because he went to the Senior Bowl and looked a lot different than what we saw on tape in Texas because he did not grade well off during the regular season, but had this, I think, second highest win rate of anyone at the Senior Bowl uh, that year, that week in the practice for the edge defenders there. And one of the things was on his Texas tape, he's playing three, four defensive ends. So he's playing head up with the tackle with. Uh, in a four point stance, where like that, you'll just never be asked to do that in, in any level of, of pro football. Like th- that just does not happen. You're not, there's not defenses that are playing in the frog stance like that. And so it's just anything he does at that point, you're just like, I don't know, what the hell am I going to do with this? Like it's yeah. not, that's not conducive to rushing the passer. It's conducive to two gapping a tackle uh, and being able to make plays against the running college, but we don't really give a shit about that. We want to see pass rushing production. And we saw that from it at Senior Bowl, super long arms. Fairly good bend, uh, and so ended up 75th on our board. And we've seen him uh, not been fanta- not been incredible out the gate, mm-hmm. uh, but he does have an 80.1 pass rushing grade. Like He has been winning, been walking back, opposing offensive linemen at 6'5", 280, with long arms and a little bit of bend. That's a nice little combination. They move him all around that front there for the Texans. So uh, nice. Uh, and it's looking like a very good pick there for a fifth rounder, doing well above expectations.
0: I've got uh, two things off that. One of them is a confession. And the other yeah. thing is a question. First, I played the frog stance in high school. Oh, I man. played D line, and man. I had the four. I had all hands down. It was not good. No one told me differently. I was pretty good.
1: Well, you did it just on your own. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I just did it on my own. Damn. Yeah, it
0: was. It was not great. It was not yeah. great. Anyway, um, in the question, I want to hear more about the Senior Bowl stuff. I think you know, you, it's small sample size. You shouldn't put all this weight in the Senior Bowl, but I think mm-hmm. you have a good take on this and that, specifically for the trenches and, and even the wide receiver position. Yeah. When you, you can get way more one-on-one opportunities at the Senior Bowl in those practices that are so heavily yes. te- televised than you often can get during the season. I think that's where you see like a Charles Menhue look good in one-on-ones, where you see other receivers look good in one-on-ones.
1: Yeah, so it is still a small sample. Even the most, the most one-on-ones you're going to get there, pass rush uh, versus you know pass protect, something like 20. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to get more than 20. Uh, same in the wide receiver drills. But you're going up against a guy who's also going to play in the NFL, most likely, more likely than not, going to play in the NFL. So you're going up against a guy which on some for some of these guys, they won't face one all year long. You know, this will be much different competition level for them than they faced all season long. So you're going up against guys who all be playing in the NFL. And if you dominate, if like you look differently there than you did on tape, then well you Usually go back and revisit the tape. Why does it look different? And when you have a legitimate excuse for someone like Amenahieu, where it's like, dude, I don't know what the hell that stance is going to be doing. You're not going to be doing anything for that. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, you know, maybe the guy we saw at Senior ball is the real hue, not necessarily this guy who couldn't get after the passer from a four-point stance.
0: Will the real hue please stand up?
1: think he has been. And you can stand up. At the and he's game. going up against a good line, though. So Colts line, that's why it's a nice matchup to
0: I'm, watch. I'm excited. Uh Let's go ahead and chug a prospect. This is our segment where we kind of talk a prospect in full, drink him down. And the reason we're bringing up this guy, Virginia cornerback Bryce Hall, he is out for the season. And he got this mm. injury on punt coverage. <sighs> on punt coverage.
1: But, but you know, the, the scouts love to see guys play special Stop. teams.
0: Stop. I don't love to see it on special teams. You get know, hurt right? and you have a season-ending injury on punt coverage. Come on. But. This guy deserves better. But Bryce Hall, talk to me about him. Chug this guy down.
1: Okay. So, I'll give I still don't
0: mi- love that. I still don't love saying chug, chug this him. guy down. But, again, here we go. Well, don't say
1: chug this guy down. Yeah, that still, makes it sound weird. Yeah, that
0: makes it sound weird. Chug a prospect, Bryce Hall. <laughs> okay.
1: Chug a prospect, Bryce Hall. Okay. I'll give and and minuses here on this <gasps> from the report From the draft guy. Ideal size and length for the corner position. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pterodactyl-esque wingspan. That makes him a PBU machine. I think he had 18 PBUs last year. Keys hitches at an elite level. Can track both QB and wide receiver from off coverage. Consistently wins the leverage battle down the field, quick to locate and box out receivers. Envelops wideouts at the line of scrimmage and takes them out of the progression. Diverse coverage responsibilities in Virginia's defense. Negatives. Loses a good deal of speed when forced to flip his hips and run off coverage. A little stiff, flipping hips from off coverage. Didn't love that on his tape. Gets caught upright out of his pedal. Slow to change directions at times. So he's a little, we're talking like a cover three Mm -hmm. type of cornerback here. Takes advantage of the college legal contact penalty. Lack of legal contact penalty was very physical and not necessarily a burner. I expect him to run the four fives uh, if he does. get I, back I really
0: do like your comp. comp for him. Give me your comp,
1: Byron Maxwell. Yeah, Byron Maxwell comp for him. Yeah, I think I that think makes just, sense. Yeah, in a in a silo, you know those vertical routes. He's you are not going to beat him much. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be good at those. Other stuff, uh, we'll see. It remains to be seen. I, I don't think he's been great, but I think this past year, quarterback sort of wised up, stopped targeting him. Uh, only 27 targets through the first half of the season. After he had some like 80, it was on pace for 30 fewer targets than last year. Just like the guys weren't throwing at him, so the PBU numbers weren't there. But he still was not giving up a lot of catches. So uh, I still think we are have Bryce Hall's first rounder when it's all said and done. And I mean, in, tw- in
0: 2018, he led the nation in forcing completions. This is a guy that yeah. he did attack at the catch point point. made And, he, plays. and he's got,
1: so he's six one, two hundred ideal size, and he's going to have something like 33, 34 inch arms. Like he's going to have long arms. So he's he has that. Modern cornerback build that you like.
0: And talk to him. I talked to him before the season started, and the biggest takeaway dude's smart as hell. Really smart guy. Played wide out in high school. Talked a ton about film study, picking up tendencies, more than just player tendencies. He talks right. about recognizing route combinations and formations, what personnel are they in. And, and, and he oh, even you most you sh- love that. I love, love that. that but yeah. Who doesn't love that? I mean, you talk about, you talk about these guys and the, all these, like the best athletes in the world. These mm-hmm. are the best athletes in the world that go to the NFL. What I love more than that is people that pay attention to this complex game that we at PFF talk about yeah, we all do the, the time. Stuff, yeah. We talk about the complexity of the game more. Off, sometimes more than we talk about player evaluation, scheme, personnel, how it affects things, and mm-hmm. man versus zone coverage, all that stuff why is it no different when this player who's actually executing these complex schemes isn't also as invested as like the analysts and stuff like that i think it's a nice little rant I, I, i'm sorry I, i'm sorry but <laughs> I, I really do feel that way i said it was nice i really do feel that way about the players because mm-hmm. there's so so often we talk about coaches who don't put a good scheme together or it's, like, still to me, it. exa- it's still real to me it's still real to me but again I, I really do appreciate the guys like bryce hall and the guys like jonah williams these uh-huh. other guys where you talk to them and like i watch a ton of film. I try and master class the offense or the defense and yep. opposing scheme and all that stuff because I know that stuff matters, and it does, and you see that on tape with Bryce Hall. That was my rant, and, and, and I feel I feel good about that. You chugged him down good. I chugged him down. <laughs> We're going to change the verbiage on that <laughs> segment, but we are not changing much about this podcast. We are hitting. I didn't even say this, but you can tune in at the beginning. I usually say this, but you can tune into this live on YouTube Tuesdays mm. and Thursdays. You can also catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. This has been Austin Gill and Mike Renner on 2 one